Hello, welcome to our Lighthouse podcast. We hope that this message brings inspiration and intent to your day. You know, Australians uh, were known throughout uh, the wars as men and women who could be trusted, who were very courageous. Uh, with this kind of uh, tenacity, but also some kind of strange sense of humour, I think, as well, that the Aussies had when it came to being a part of a battle. Most people were glad that they had an Australian next to them uh, fighting for a cause. But I don't know whether you've noticed, we often talk in terms of heroes. Uh, We have national heroes. We celebrate different ones. In fact, I'm going to celebrate one today. But if you've, you've ever watched the news when somebody suddenly does a heroic act... Uh, Most heroes don't know they're being a hero. Most heroes wouldn't say, oh, I've been waiting for this hero moment all my life and it finally came. If you ever watch the news and somebody's pulled somebody out of a fire or if uh, there's been some sort of near miss or whatever it is where that person's interviewed and they ask them why they did it, they said, well, I don't know, but I just happened to be there at the time it had happened and I didn't know what else to do but help. And I think most of us generally would have that response when there's a situation that needs somebody to step up and go forward. Nobody ever goes to hero school. Nobody ever learns to become a hero. It's just something that happens to us when we're faced with a situation that is either life-threatening or scary. People we call heroes are those people who dare to step up and say to themselves and really to the rest of us that they're willing to make a difference in that moment, in that time, for that situation. Heroes are really just ordinary people who do extraordinary things that they never really expected would come their way. In fact, any one of us, I guess, could have that kind of opportunity thrust upon us in any given situation. I want to talk about a guy today that was, uh, that is an Anzac and was at Gallipoli all those years ago, a guy that you've probably heard of. His, sto- his story is uh, quite famous and that is of Jack Simpson. Uh, I want to tell you about Jack Simpson because at 22 years of age, that's him there, 22 years of age, he signed up in WA to be a soldier, uh, not really realising what was ahead of him. Just seven months later, he found himself on the shores of Gallipoli. It was only within hours uh, when he saw that that, uh, half of the soldiers that had been sent were literally slaughtered and laying across the beachfront or the mountains, that he understood that of the six teams, he was a stretcher bearer, that was his role to go and get those soldiers that were injured, that only to realise within a few hours that out of the six battalions of stretcher bearers, only two battalions were left, the other four battalions were already killed. And so in order for Jack to help soldiers on the mountain, he would Uh, climb or crawl along on his belly up those cliffs and as he would get to the cliffs after the first day he found a donkey off to the side that was grazing and he got the donkey and what he would do was on his belly with a rope around the donkey's neck he would crawl up and find all of the wounded soldiers and then he would get those wounded soldiers under sniper fire mind you he would put them those soldiers on the back of the donkey and then crawling on his belly again would lead the donkey down a path back to where they could get first aid. History says that Jack did this 12 to 15 times a day 
for 24 days. In fact, history records that Jack Simpson, by crawling on his belly and using the donkey to rescue soldiers, saved over 300 men from absolute death if they weren't rescued off that mountain that day. You know, for Jack, he probably didn't think he was a hero. He probably wasn't in any way thinking this is a moment to be recorded in history. People will remember me. That's not how he thinks. We can think of him today as a national hero, but actually what's more important is that he was a personal hero. To those men that he personally rescued, it doesn't matter whether he was ever recognized nationally. What matters is that if Jack didn't step into a life-threatening situation, put his own life on the line, then those men would not have been alive at that time. In fact, unfortunately and sadly, on day 24, Jack Simpson was doing what he'd been doing the other 23 days, and he'd just finished putting another soldier on the back of his donkey when he himself was shot by sniper fire. As Jack lay uh, critically wounded on the side of the mountain, the donkey instinctively, because it heard the shot and it freaked it out, the donkey did what it had been doing for 23 days, which was it found its way back that well-worn path and took that last soldier of Jack's right down to the bottom where he got help. And just a few days later, this soldier that just recovered went looking for Jack on the side of the mountain and unfortunately found Jack uh, shot as he was just those few days earlier on the side of the mountain. That soldier made this statement, it was recorded, of Jack. He said this, I can't believe I'm alive and he's dead. In fact, on his gravestone uh, of Jack Simpson, it says this, he gave his life that others might live. It's a pretty powerful story. I'm sure there are many like it, and I'm sure there are many that weren't written down or noted. But this one, particularly because it speaks to not just the Anzac spirit, but the human spirit. It speaks to what we're capable of, but it speaks to this great attribute of sacrifice that we've talked about today, this great attribute of courage. It's actually the ingredients needed actually to be a Christ follower and make a difference. It's actually the kind of thing you need even, I know it doesn't sound very brave or it's not even warlike, but when you step outside of this encased area that we have today, that when you go to work and you represent Christ, there's an element of courage and sacrifice that's required by you. People actually love people that don't think of themselves and put other people before them. It's an endearing quality. But they see, there's another kind of hero that I want to talk about today. Another kind of courage that I think breeds a different kind of hero that I want to read today because it's pretty powerful. Just 17 years after that uh, Gallipoli war, a Turkish soldier was given a letter by uh, the president of Turkey and he was asked to read this on Gallipoli just 17 years, in commemoration of what happened. And what is said in this letter is pretty amazing and worth us thinking about today. And I want to read it and quote it to you today. This is a letter from the Turkish president, read on the soil of Gallipoli. It says this, Those heroes that shed their blood and lost their lives, you are now lying on, in the soil of a friendly country. Therefore, rest in peace. 
There is no difference between the Johnnies and the Mohammeds to us where they lie side by side here in this country of ours. You, the mothers who sent their sons from faraway countries, wipe away your tears. Your sons are now lying in our bosom and are in peace. And after having lost their lives on this land, they have become our sons as well. Hmm. It's pretty amazing to think that you can go from the atrocity of war, complete and utter enemies, to 17 years after not only just offering forgiveness, declaring peace, but actually offering sonship to the men that fell on that ground that day is actually one of those things where you think, even though it was 17 years, you think, that's pretty soon. And I guess I wanted to share that today because I think great heroes are also people who learn to forgive. I think forgiveness is an equal power to courage and to sacrifice. And often we get the sacrifice, often we get the courage, but we forget the power of forgiveness. If this world did not forgive, it would be worse than what it is sometimes. Forgiveness is a power. It's a superpower, in fact, that you and I get to do. But guess where we learn it? We learn it from God himself. In fact, as we just focused today, can I just give you, because I think the three things Jesus did was he, he sacrificed for others. We know that. In 1 John 3, 16, says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. I want to remind you today, if you've forgotten, and I think it's important, and, and I'm not going to just do today just based on Anzac. I've got a group of people here who have the potential to sit under the God's word. And so I want to remind you whether you're a Christ follower or not, I want to remind you that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice, not just for people that loved him, but people who rejected him, didn't want him. But Jesus did it regardless. And he did it for you because he loves you and he considers you part of his family. But the second thing Jesus did was he forgave us of, us of our sins. Ephesians 1.7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and forgiveness of our sins. Nick and Elise, come up here. I'm going to use you as an example. Uh, not in a bad way, by the way. Yeah. Not going to make an example of you. I'm going to use you as an example. So, Nick, if you stand there facing right where you are, Elise, come over here in a COVID-friendly way. Just, all, just face me. I haven't prepared this, by the way. Just make it up as I go. In line. <laughs> it's very army-like today. Feels like it fits. I want to give you a picture for a moment because I often, like I do, I don't know whether you entertain guilt in your life. And you, you know, as a Christ follower, you should never let guilt enter your space, your thinking. Because actually, when God looks at you, he's not looking at you, he's looking through Jesus. And I want you to imagine, hey, I'm not going to be God, Nick's more God, like look at the shirt. I mean, if God would wear a shirt like that, he made the pineapple. When... I've noticed a few of the young guys starting to wear fairly Larry sort of shirts. Is that because I occasionally wear them? Are they being trying to be like their senior pastor? Is that what that is? I'm not sure. So when God looks at me, I was thinking of who could be represent Jesus. If it's anybody, it's Elise, right? Who's the most Jesus-like person? You know, it's Elise. We'll ask. We'll check with Andy later. When God looks at me. 
He looks through Jesus. You have to, this is why you're saved by grace. This is why you never have to hold on to shame. This is why you never have to feel less than you've been made to be. Because when God views you, God does not see Paul Bartlett in all his weaknesses. Jesus died so that ne- and rose again so that God looks through Jesus and through that filter he says, I'm well pleased. He says, Paul is righteous. Paul is not capable of righteousness, but when looking through Jesus, sees righteousness. You guys can grab your seat. There. I think one of the great tragedies of following Christ is to live in guilt. Uh, If you've ever had the opportunity in your life, we all have at some point, to move away from God. We used to call it backsliding. An old term, isn't it? Backsliding. Um, It's a miserable life. It's a miserable life because you know too much about God to know that you're not doing what or living the way God wants you to but not in a position at that point in time to get back with God. But I, I, I want you to know, if you're in that spot where you've just, like we all do, by the way, we all wander from God from time to time. We all have issues that block us. I want to remind you this morning on this remembering of freedom, this remembering of courage, is that you can always walk back into the presence of God. There's not something you have to do. There's not a a, a level of right things you should achieve before God receives you. That today you can walk right into God's presence as you are. And the last thing that I think is pretty amazing is that he calls us sons and daughters. That's pretty cool. 1 John 3, 1. See how much, how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us children And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because we don't know Him. My great passion in life is to introduce people to God that I've known. It's impossible to live out your Christ walk by trying to be good enough. It's tiring. And I hope, I really do hope that I can clear something up with you today. That just like we heard from the Turkish president, the Turkish president didn't, his speech wasn't, well, 17 years on, uh, we are now amicable with each other. He didn't write, we're slowly getting over it. He didn't write, this is getting better. He makes an incredible statement and he goes right through. He says, from this day, we want to declare we are forgiven of each other. We choose to do it. But it gets better. He says, it's beyond that. If we're going to move forward, I can tell you that those people that died that were not of this place, we declare today they are sons. It's what God did for you. God didn't just stop it. They're there. God didn't just stop it. If you try harder, God took it all the way and He said, here's what I've done through Jesus Christ, His sacrifice, here's what I've done. I've moved you right through. I consider you part of the family, sons and daughters of the living God. What an incredible thing. I mean, that to me is the nth degree. It's why you don't need to carry shame or guilt. You've been invited into the very house of God. 
sitting at his table. You know, as we finish today, you know, if forgiveness is truly that freeing, can I remind you how important it is to forgive those that have offended you? I see a lot of power in the world. I've just, re, I've just written a book. Who knows, I've mentioned that 500 times. And it is coming out eventually. I'm not just taunting you. But I've written a chapter and it's called currently, unless we change it, it's called Inverted Power. I think the church has done, has done power the wrong way. I think the world does power the wrong way. Power, true power, is denying yourself. True power never worries about whether they have the platform or anybody notices. True power doesn't need green rooms and special places to hide the special people. True power is forgiveness. And if you today hold anything against anyone, I want to ask you to put in place the world-changing power. When a nation forgives, when an individual forgives, it changes everything. There is no future for anything that you do, any relationship you have, unless you commit to unconditional forgiveness. Oh, I know what they said was wrong. I know what they did shouldn't have happened. I know it could have been better. But that's not the basis to which you and I forgive today. We forgive because Jesus forgave us. In fact, I'll tell you something scary. You ready for scary? Too late in the service for scary? It's getting a bit late. God says this, unless you forgive others, I'm not able to forgive you. I mean, I don't know whether he's sort of joking or he's going to soften that up when we get to be with him. He's going to say, I didn't quite mean it that way. That's a bit of a gray area. I'm not sure how he's handling it, but on face value, that is a pretty scary scripture. But don't worry, he's not doing it because he wants to trap you. He's doing it because he wants to free you. For it is freedom that Jesus came, that we might be set free. So we don't have powerless tools. We don't have things that don't work in God. I can tell you many, many times I've laid my head on the pillow and I've been offended. And I replay the scenario. How good is it when you replay the offense scenario and you win the second time round? That's my favorite part about offense. I get totally hammered in the real world. And when I put my head on the pillow, I win five different ways. Thing I could have said better, the humiliation I could have brought to the other person if only I thought faster. You're laughing because you've never done that before. So here's what I do. I never feel like forgiving, but I do it anyway. And I found that as I practice these words, Lord, I forgive Nick for his shirt or whatever it is that you're offended by. If you practice forgiveness, before long you find yourself and you think to yourself, I haven't thought of that offence for ages. 
you know, in your marriage today, just be married long enough and your spouse will offend you. Your wife, your wife, my, my wife, not going there. <laughs> I used to be able to do those jokes. I don't get away with them anymore, so I'm not doing them. I've learned. power of forgiveness. Come on, I'm going to pray for you today. Why don't you stand? Father, I thank you today. We are focusing on Anzac, but Lord, right in the center, in the, in the middle of that is this power of freedom. It's not brought actually about by war, but it's brought about by forgiveness. It's brought about by sacrifice and courage. And I pray today, Lord, as we stand here, if there are those who are holding something against someone, I pray, Lord, that they would practice the act of forgiveness. And they would find that it produces the fruit of freedom in their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us at a differentlight.com.au or join us at one of our Sunday gatherings.